2 Peter chapter number 1. Looking one final time to the words of Peter preserved for us in verses 19 through 21, I want to preach a message entitled, How to Be Well Off in Life. How to Be Well Off in Life. Some of you are thinking, "Uh uh-oh, the pastor's gone off the deep end. Call for the emergency prayer meeting. The pastor has turned into a health, wealth, and prosperity preacher. He'll be soon telling people to name it and claim it, blab it and grab it. The pastor's going to preach a message on how to be well off in life. It's time to start looking for another church. Now, before you get too nervous, I want to show you that the title... And the theme of my sermon is in perfect harmony with the inspired words of Peter. If you're going to charge me with being a prosperity preacher, then you need to charge Peter with being a prosperity preacher because I'm merely emphasizing the same truths he is emphasizing to other believers in this specific epistle. Notice it with me to give the context of Peter's words. I'll begin reading once again from verse 16. 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 16. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of His majesty. For He received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to Him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed. As unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Did you catch what Peter says in verse 19? Peter says, We have also a more sure word of prophecy in God's written word than any experience he or the other disciples have had. And Peter goes on saying that we would do well if we take heed to it, speaking of the Scriptures. So this is Peter's message of prosperity. And to be clear, Peter is not speaking of being financially prosperous, but spiritually prosperous. Peter is saying, do you want to have a prosperous relationship with God? Do you want to have a meaningful relationship with others? Do you want to have a joyful life? Do you want to have inward peace and hope in the midst of the storms of life? Then you would do well to take heed to what God says in the Scriptures. Now, before we look specifically to what the Apostle Peter says in our text, I want you to turn to a few places with me in the Scriptures so that I can personally show you that Peter was not the first prosperity preacher to preach a message of prosperity. If you will, turn with me to the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy, the fifth book of our Bibles, the book of Deuteronomy, Genesis 
Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And then as you find your place in Deuteronomy, I want you to find Deuteronomy chapter number 4. And in Deuteronomy chapter 4, I want your eyes to look upon what Moses, the God-appointed spiritual shepherd and gospel preacher, declares to the nation of Israel. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 40. Moses says, Thou shalt keep, therefore, His, God's, statutes and His commandments, which I command thee this day, that it may go well with thee and with thy children after thee, and that thou mayest prolong thy days upon the earth, which the Lord thy God giveth thee forever. Now turn one chapter over to Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 33. Deuteronomy 5, verse 33. Moses says, Ye shall walk in all the ways which the Lord your God hath commanded you. Where? In His word. That ye may live, and that it may be well with you, and that ye may prolong your days in the land which ye shall possess. Next chapter, next verse, Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. Now these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you, that ye might do them in the land whither ye go to possess it. That thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command thee, thou and thy son and thy son's son, all the days of thy life, and that thy days may be prolonged. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it. Do what? God's word. That it may be well with thee, and that ye may increase mightily as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, The Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. And then looking down to verses 17 and 18 of the same chapter, Deuteronomy 6, verses 17 and 18. Again, Moses says, Ye shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and his testimonies and his statutes, which he hath commanded thee. And thou shalt do that which is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that what? that it may be well with thee. If anybody can be labeled a prosperity preacher in the Bible, surely it's Moses. But wait, do you know who sat at the feet of Moses, hearing Moses preach, and was ordained by God to take the baton from Moses to lead the nation of Israel? Turn over one book to Joshua. And notice what God declares to Joshua 
concerning how Joshua might have good success as a leader of God's people. Many of you know it by heart. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. But let your eyes see this truth echo throughout the Scripture. God says to Joshua, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then... Thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have what? Good success. Now, if I could keep you for another hour or two, I could show you that this singular message of spiritual prosperity being declared by Peter, by Moses, by Joshua, is the repeated message that is declared by the prophets. It's the message that is interwoven within the Psalms and the Proverbs, and it's the same message that is emphasized by the apostles in the New Testament. And in case you're nervous about the pastor keeping you for an hour or two, I give you my word that I won't. I won't belabor my point and weary you with my long-winded sermon, but I do want you to understand that what Peter is saying in 2 Peter chapter 1 is what Moses and Joshua declared to the nation in the Old Testament And this same message is the message that Jesus Christ declared during his three-year ministry. Now, lest you think that what I am telling you is an Old Testament, Old Covenant principle that only relates to Israel of old, I want you to notice that the same message of spiritual prosperity that Peter preaches is the same message that Jesus preached. So turn over to Luke chapter 6, verse 47. The Gospel of Luke Chapter 6, verse 47. And remember, when God says something once, we ought to pay attention. When God says something twice, we really, really ought to pay attention. When God repeats himself over and over and over, we really, 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 really ought to pay attention. Luke chapter 6, verse 47. Whosoever cometh to me and... Heareth my sayings and doeth them. I will show you to whom he is like. He is like a man which built an house and digged deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. But he that heareth and doeth them not, is like a man that without a foundation built a house upon the earth against which the stream did beat vehemently and immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. Do you see the spiritual prosperity being spoken of by Christ? He says, the one who hears God's word and obeys it is a wise man who is safe. When the troubles of life beat upon the life of the obedient one, when the final storm of death beats upon the physical body of such an one, their soul is protected by God because it's built upon the rock, the steadfast teachings of Christ. But the one who hears God's word and does not care to obey the truths of Scripture, they will be ruined. All that they will know in life is devastation. All that they will know is Spiritual hopelessness, depression, gloominess, disappointment, and one day eternal damnation. 
So Jesus is saying here that those who take heed to God's word will do well, and those who do not take heed to God's word will not do well. And then let me show you one final passage in the Gospel of John, chapter 15. The Gospel of John, chapter 15. Verse number 10. John 15, verse 10. Jesus says, If, it's conditional, If you decide to keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in His love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. And we need to understand that what Jesus says here in John 15 is only an echo of what he already said in John 14, 21. Jesus says in John 14, 21, He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Do you see the connectedness between obedience to God's word and joy? Obedience to God's word and happiness. Obedience to God's word and peace. Obedience to God's word and spiritual prosperity. And knowing that God is pleased with your life. The principle that is being established by all these God-ordained, biblical preaching, prosperity preachers is this. If you will live by the truths of God's word, you will be blessed. If you disobey the truths of God's word, your life will be full of stress. If you listen to Jesus' words and put them into practice, you will be like a wise man who is safe among the dark, distressing storms of life. But if, on the other hand, you do not listen to Jesus' words, if you do not put them into practice, you will be like a foolish man who will become devastated by the storms of life. If these texts emphasize one point, they emphasize this. Knowing God's richest blessings is interconnected with our personal obedience. And then experiencing God's anger, God's disappointment, God's discipline and displeasure is interconnected with our personal disobedience. So Peter says in verse 19 of 2 Peter chapter 1, we have in this book a more sure word of prophecy and we would do well to take heed to it. We would do well overall in life to take heed to what God says. Now having established this foundational Christian truth that's often repeated throughout the Scripture, in the remainder of the time we have together this morning, I want to expound upon what Peter is saying by setting this one truth into four practical points. In my first point, I want to explain what it means to take heed to the Word of God. In my second point, I want us to consider the way in which we can go about taking heed to God's Word. In my third point, I want us to note how long God would have us to take heed to His Word. And then in my fourth point, I want to establish the reasons why we should strive to take heed to the truths of Scripture as Peter commands. So looking to our first point, let's begin by explaining what it means to take heed 
to the scriptures. What does this mean? You would do well to take heed. Well, simply put, to take heed to the scriptures suggests that we would carefully consider the truths that are contained within them. To take heed to the scriptures implies that there will be a seriousness and an earnestness in applying our minds to understand the specific meaning of the written word. And listen, this requires nothing less than giving quality time and fervent exertion to study the scriptures which have been preserved to us by God. So what Peter is saying is essentially this. We've looked at it over the last two weeks. Peter is saying here, since God's word is objective truth that does not change and is founded in God's person, since God's word is the supernaturally inspired witness of God that is more reliable than any witness or experience of others, Since God's word is God's voice and the primary way that God reveals himself to man, we would do well to treat it as if it is God's inspired word. Are you with me? We would do well to have ears to hear not what man says, but what the spirit of God says in the scriptures. We would do well to receive the preaching of God's word, not as the words of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God. And this leads us then to consider in our second point, the the needful question that must be asked and answered, which is, how do we go about taking heed to God's word? All right, so it's one thing to know that we should take heed to the word, but it's another thing to know how we can go about taking heed to the word. So how can we do what Peter is urging us to do? Well, I believe there's three principal ways we ought to take heed to the Scriptures. And the three principal ways are this. Believing, reading, and obeying. Believing, reading, and obeying. If we want to do well spiritually, if we want to prosper in life, which can only come by taking heed to the Scriptures, as Peter is asserting, then we must first believe that God's Word is a divine light given to us by God Himself. In other words, we must believe when we come to the Scriptures that holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. If we want to take heed to the Scriptures, as Peter is commanding us to do, we must believe that all Scripture has been given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction and instruction in righteousness. Do you see the basic logic of what I'm saying? If we are going to do well spiritually by taking heed to the Scriptures, then we must come to believe that God's Word is what it claims to be. What does it claim to be? It claims to be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. It claims to be more precious than silver, more costly than gold. God's word claims to be perfect and pure in every way. God's word declares it to be God's revealed will. It is the final authority for what we ought to believe 
and what we ought to practice. God's Word has the wisdom to guide us in every area of life. Are you tracking? If you believe God's Word is just another religious book written by finite men that's not supernatural in nature, then you won't take heed to it as you should. But if you truly believe that it is, as Peter declares it to be, namely, a divine light that shines in a dark place, revealing the light of God, then you will do everything you can to consider it, to love it, to cherish it, to read it, to believe it, and obey it. You see, our beliefs affects our behaviors. Our orthodoxy affects our orthopraxy. And the reason why some of you do not cherish God's word as you ought is because you really don't believe that it's supernatural in nature. Oh, theologically, you would never say that, but the proof is in the pudding. The proof is in your actions. If you truly believe that this was God's letter for you, you would cherish it often. So the first thing that's needed is a steadfast confidence that God's word truly is God's word. The Bible is all we need to teach us truth about who God is, how we can know God, what Christ has done for us, how we can be forgiven of our sins, and how God would have us to live for Him in this life. If we're going to be spiritually prosperous in this life, then we must believe, listen, we must believe that we desperately need the truths of God's Word spoken to us often. We must come to the humble realization that if we don't have God's Word lighting our paths, we will stumble, we will walk in darkness. Without the truth shining in our hearts, we will be deceived and we will fall. So the first way to take heed to the Scriptures, listen, is by believing it. The second way to take heed to the Scriptures is by reading it. Reading it. It's one thing to believe that the Bible is God's Word. It's another thing to actually pick it up and read it often as the Scripture commands and expects of us. So the basic logic of this second point is read it. Put it to the test. Don't just believe that it is God's sure word of prophecy. Read the book and see for yourself that the prophecies which have been written in the Old Testament concerning the coming Messiah are perfectly fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. Read it and see for yourself that God's word is historically and scientifically accurate. Read it and see for yourself that God's word provides us with sufficient answers to the questions of life. Read it and see that it has wisdom to guide you as a father. It has wisdom to guide you as a mother. It has wisdom to help you as a husband or a wife. It has wisdom to help you in the trials of life. I'm a poet and I don't even know it. The first way to take heed to the Scriptures is by believing that it is God's Word. The second way to take heed to the Scriptures is by reading it as God's inspired Word. Not just a book of facts. It's not just a book of history. This is God's voice. Do you want to hear the audible voice of God? Read the Bible out loud. 
So many people are caught up in the experiences of wanting this and this and that. This is God's voice. This is God's will. How many people, I wish I knew the will of God. Get in the scriptures. Take heed to it. It's a light. It's a lamp. It's wisdom. It will give you truth that you need in exactly the time that you need it. And then the third way to take heed to the scriptures is by obeying the truths that you read. And this means actually letting the truths of God's word penetrate your heart and conform your life. And let me give you the simple logic of the third point. The simple logic of the third point is essentially this. What shall it profit a sick person if he or she believes that a certain medication that has been prescribed to them will help them get better if they don't actually swallow the medication? Nurses, doctors, help me out. What shall it profit a person with poor eyesight if someone has been giving eyeglasses that will help them to see more clearly, but they refuse to put the eyeglasses on their face? What shall it profit a person with poor hearing if they have hearing aids at their, at their beck and at their will that will help them hear better, but they don't put the hearing aids in their ear? What? Huh? The hearing aids are 12 inches away. Huh? They can help you. We spent thousands of dollars for them. Put it in. What shall it profit a skydiver? If he jumps out of the door of a perfectly good airplane, if he doesn't take the time to put on the parachute, that can help him float safely to the ground rather than face certain death. You see? To be spiritually well off in life, it's not enough to mentally know that God's word is God's word. It's not enough to read God's word in a factual, historical way. The only way you're going to benefit from its guaranteed blessing is by walking in the light of its truths. The Pharisees knew truths about God's word. They actually studied it from morning till night. The problem is they would not obey it. Are you listening? Are you sure? We say amen to this biblical affirmation, and then we go our way living contrary to what the Bible says. And then we wonder why we're so miserable in life, why we are so joyless. We wonder why there are so many struggles with our family and our finances and our friendships. We wonder why we're not growing spiritually as we ought to. Listen, I truly believe the greatest hindrance facing Christianity today is the spiritual cancer of unresponsiveness to God's Word. I truly do. I believe the one thing that grieves and quenches the Holy Spirit more than anything else is a cold careless attitude toward obeying God's word, the Spirit's word. We say, well, I know what it says, but I'm the exception. I know what it says, but you don't know what I'm dealing with. I know what it says, but I just got things going on. We're like those in Ezekiel's day who eagerly gathered to hear the prophet passionately preach the truths of God. And Ezekiel 33 tells us that the people of God showed much love with their mouth, but their heart followed after covetousness. Oh, we love you, Pastor. Oh, keep preaching bold and courageous, Pastor, but we're just going to keep on doing what we want to do. 
We love church. We love God's word. We want to do God's will, but we're not going to let it affect our families. They said, Ezekiel's such a wonderful preacher. They were bringing their bodies to church, leaving their hearts at home. They heard God's word, but they did not do them. And the same can be said of many of us here this morning. We hear God's word being taught, being preached, being expounded upon over and over and over. There's little change. You know you should change your ways, but you don't. You know you should be more committed, but you give excuse after excuse as to why you cannot. You know you should honor the Lord with the substance and the first fruit of your increase, but you keep leaning on your own understanding, rationalizing from a human way why you cannot give to the Lord. You know you should refrain from certain ungodly friendships. You know you should refrain from certain sinful practices, perverse entertainments, but you just keep running back to them. And then we have the audacity to arrogantly question God as to why our life is such a mess. We've created our own mess. Listen now, I'm trying to help you. Do you want to have a blessed life or a stressed life? Do you want to know true inward peace? Do you want to have victory over your sin? Do you want to be used of God? Do you want to be a bright and burning light to this lost and dying world? Do you want others to see our good works so that they might glorify our Father which is in heaven? If you say yes, then you must obey the Scriptures. You must examine, listen, the whole of your life by its truths, and you must strive to conform your attitude and your actions by it. I'm talking about your behaviors. I'm talking about how you act and react. I'm talking about what you say and how you say it. I'm talking about where you go, what you do with your time, what you do with your money, what entertainments you allow in your life. I'm talking about how you shepherd your family. I'm talking about how you treat your spouse, how you rear your children, and how committed you are to Christ church. If you want to do well in life, God's word must be your meditation day and night so that you might observe to do according to all that is written therein, because the Bible says obedience to God's word is the only way to sure spiritual success. There's no other way. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. How do we go about taking heed to God's word? First, by believing that it is God's word. And then connected, second, by reading it as God's word, understanding that we are in darkness without it. We need its light to lead us and guide us. Can't put it on a shelf. Can't throw it on the dashboard of our Bibles and only to pick it up the next Sunday. I can get by with life on my own. I'll go to church and shake my head at the preacher's sermon, but I have the wisdom, I have the strength, I have the ability to live life in my own power. Third, by obeying it as God's word, by submitting to it as God's holy will for our lives. And that's where the rubber meets the road. To actually submit to it, to come To say, this is what God wants me to do. I'm not going to argue with it. I'm not going to justify myself. I'm going to do it. Whatever comes, I'm going to do it. 
Right, next question. How long should we go about doing all this? Does the Bible answer this for us? It does. Peter answers the third question for us in verse 19. How long? Look, Peter says, we have also a sure word of prophecy. Whereunto you do well that you take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place. Sentence is not over until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. How long should we take heed to the truths of God's word? Until we graduate from high school? Until we're 18 and out of the house? Until we get married and start settling down with a family? Until we get the job that we were hoping for? Until life goes according to how we want it? Peter says we would do well to take heed to God's word until Jesus returns. Until Christ, who is our light, shall appear. Notice the connection of lights. We ought to take heed to the word which is a light, which speaks of God, who is the believer's light, until the light of the world returns in the full revelation of His glory. And we dwell in that place where there's no darkness at all. We ought to continuously walk on the pathway of light until it leads us to the one the word speaks about. God's word is to be a lamp in this dark world leading us along to the celestial city, the believer's home. And listen, there's no letting up. There's no other way. And if you think that you can let up because you've known God for many years and you've read the Bible through many times, if you think that you can let up because you've accomplished for the things for the Lord in the past years, I would challenge you to think of the testimonies of those who did not take diligent heed to the Scriptures in their old age. Think of King Solomon. 1 Kings chapter 1 and 10 record blessing after blessing that Solomon experienced when he obeyed the voice of God. God used him in wonderful ways And then we turn the corner to 1 Kings chapter 11. And what do we find? We find the wisest king became the greatest fool because he loved many strange women and those strange women turned away his heart. What happened, Solomon? What happened? You saw God. You were used to write Proverbs. You built the house of the Lord. Solomon, what happened? He let his guard down. He quit taking diligent heed to the scriptures. He relied upon past experiences and past knowledge as his foundation for the future. We can't do that. Listen, soldiers, we can't let the sword of the Spirit fall from our hands until we take our last breath. We could talk about those who used to be here worshiping with us, who are now in their old age bitter, Resentful, spiritually careless. What happened? They quit taking diligent heed. How long do we fight? How long do we run our race? How long do we believe, read, and obey God's word? Here it is. Until Christ, who is our life, shall appear. Until our faith is sight. Until our race is finished. How long? How long until he comes? Until he comes. And then finally, in my fourth point, we need to consider the why question. Why? Why should we take heed to the scriptures? Why? 
Should we believe, read, meditate, and obey God's word? Well, let me give you simple points. First, because God says so. And we would do well to take heed to this commandment to take heed. (laughs) It's very simple. God says so. Second, because it's the only way to have a blessed and joyful life. If you think you can have a blessed and joyful life by living in disobedience, you are deceived. You're living a lie. Jesus Christ has come to give us life and life more abundant. And that abundant life, His perfect peace, comes when our hearts and minds are stayed upon Him through His Word. Why do we need to take heed to the Scriptures? Third, because it's the only way you're going to be prepared for Christ's second coming. Christ is coming again. John 14. Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Jesus says, I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. You want to be ready for the second coming of Christ? You need to be busy about the Father's work. You need to prepare your heart, your mind, your soul, your body for the return of our Savior. And don't we want him finding us to be faithful? Taking diligent heed to his words so that we might hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. God forbid that he should return and find us fickle in his work, faithless, unfaithful, uncommitted. We need to take diligent heed so we're ready. When the bridegroom comes for his bride. And then fourth, we need to take diligent heed to the scriptures because you are going to stand before the Lord and give an account of your life. You alone, you personally, without your family, without your friends, without your pastor, you will stand and give an account of how you treated God's word, of what you did, of all the times reading his word, all those times going to church. Did you obey it? You're going to give an account. And it will be wood, hay, and stubble, or precious stones. And then fifth, you need to take diligent heed to the Scriptures because by your actions, you're writing your own obituary. You're fashioning a testimony that others will remember you by. Your daily decisions are painting a portrait for others to one day observe. Either you're striving to live a life full of surrender to God or not. Either others see you as spiritually hot, cold, or lukewarm. Why should you diligently take heed to the Word of God? Because if you don't, you might be easily swayed by satanic influences. And this is precisely why Peter is saying this before 2 Peter chapter 2. You need to take diligent heed to God's Word because if you don't, you will be among the many who are led astray by the enemy's lies. There are false prophets among you preaching false things. If you don't take diligent heed, you might just follow their ways. If you don't take diligent heed to the Scriptures, your heart may grow cold, your spirit may grow bitter and callous, and you will miss out on God's wonderful blessings. Hebrews 3.12, Take heed, take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. He's speaking this to brethren. Take heed to yourself, lest you fall. 
but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Well, that'll never be me. Think again. Take heed. Take heed. Take heed. And then most importantly, if you are here this morning and you still do not have the assurance that all is well with your soul, if you are here still abiding in darkness, then the exhortation for you this morning is to receive the light. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, the light of the world, and be saved. He can be your light in the midst of your darkness. Do you want a life that's blessed? Do you want to know true joy and true peace? Do you want to have the guarantee that when you die, God will receive you into His kingdom? Then you would do well to submit yourself to Christ. You would do well to acknowledge your inability to save yourself. And you would do well to acknowledge that Christ and Christ alone has the power to forgive you of your sins. This is the only way to be saved. The only way to be saved is by allowing the light of God's word to penetrate through your darkness. You see, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The scriptures and the scriptures alone are able to make us wise unto salvation. If you're still without hope, if you're still without Christ, you would do well to keep seeking him until he's found. You say, I've already tried and nothing happened. Well, you would do well to keep crying out, to keep seeking, and to keep knocking. Perhaps you've not found him yet because God is testing the sincerity of your heart. Perhaps you have not found him yet because God knows that you're simply seeking him for the wrong reasons. What did the blind men do in their desire to see? They kept crying out. Have mercy upon us, O Lord. Have mercy upon us. And others waved them away and said, Shut up and be silent. Get out of here. We want to see Jesus. And the more they cried out, have mercy on us, Lord. Have mercy upon us. And in their diligent crying out to the Lord, guess what? They found him. When they found him, they were well off. Not just physically, but spiritually. God does not work on your timetable. Don't arrogantly charge God with not hearing your prayers when your prayers are insincere and you're treating God like a genie, like a vending machine, like a Santa Claus. God wants to know if you're serious about following Him and knowing Him. Do you want to be well off spiritually? Then on the racetrack of life, you must keep your eyes focused and fixed upon Jesus Christ, the author and the finisher of your faith. And the way in which we keep our eyes focused and fixed upon Christ is by diligently taking heed to His commandments that are given to us in His Word. It all boils down to this one thing. Will we go our own way? or God's way in everything that we do. Don't compartmentalize it. We'll all pick and choose what I want to obey and what I want to disobey. 
Your life's not going to be blessed. God knows if your heart is fully surrendered. God knows if you want truly to do His will in all things. Some of you are missing out on the blessings of God because you're compartmentalizing.